It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, live from the DLC on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there, Lindsey Brown on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get you ready for the Henderson Silver Knights and the Tucson Roadrunners later on this evening right here at the Dollar Loan Center as the Silver Knights will wrap up their four-game homestand. And uh, for the Silver Knights, again, it's it's a lot of home hockey between now and the, eh, the, the three-week mark, I'd say, of February uh, before a lot of road hockey to follow. But for the Silver Knights, a really important stretch for them to take advantage of. And uh, so far, so good. After a rough outing, the first game of this homestand uh, last Wednesday against the Ontario Reign, uh, boy, did the Silver Knights bounce back with, you could argue, their best 48 hours of hockey this season with back-to-back wins over the surging Calgary Wranglers. So we'll discuss last weekend. We'll get you set for tonight's game against a Tucson team that right now sits sixth in the Pacific Division but is limping along. They have in recent weeks gotten their best player back in Michael Carcone, who spent significant time with the Arizona Coyotes over the uh, course of uh, late December, early January, but uh, back in the mix for them. He is the leading scorer in the American Hockey League, so we'll have plenty to talk about regarding uh, Michael Carconi and how to slow him down. If the Silver Knights use the same formula they use against Calgary, they'll be able to do just that. So we will discuss uh, in our next segment and our longest segment of the program. We're going to catch up with AHL insider Patrick Williams, friend of the program, who we uh, haven't spoken with since the first week of the season. So it's the it's the midway point. Silver Knights are beyond the midway point. Other teams are either just approaching it or, or right at it so uh, no better time than now to see if things have gone the way he anticipated what uh, storylines he sees uh, formulating for the next couple of months and also of course we have uh, ahl all-star classic festivities just a couple of weeks away in laval uh, so we can get the uh, perspective of patrick williams on that as well you can always find patrick williams's work on uh the on the of course uh, along with numerous other outlets patrick williams at p williams ahl that is his twitter handle one of the must follows uh, for ahl hockey fans so much to discuss today and you know before we get too much into the hockey of this past weekend i you know i do want to just one more time say thank you to the uh the alumni of the las vegas thunder of course saturday was las vegas thunder night at the dollar loan center and uh, from my vantage point, from my viewpoint here in the booth, which uh, if you don't know where I'm sitting right now, if you haven't been to the DLC for a game before and don't know where I happen to to spout off from, it's uh, right at the top of uh, sections three and four, uh, the uh, Golden Goblet Club area. But that, boy, is it a great vantage point for me to see everything going on around me. And I can't think of another Silver Knights home game this season that was... Uh, more raucous, uh, more lively, and part of that, of course, was the outcome, the Silver Knights picking up four really important points against the Calgary Wranglers, but even further than that was the fact that Silver Knights fans are Vegas hockey fans, and a lot of Vegas hockey fans were ardent Thunder fans back in the 90s, and you could just tell from the anticipation, the excitement, the participation from fans in the seats that this was a uh, an event that you guys were excited about and that you wanted. Uh, I hope I'm not out of turn in saying that. I hope I'm reading the room correctly. But, you know, this uh, Saturday felt like it was more than a hockey game. It was the nostalgia factor. It was the family factor. uh, And the performance for the team on the ice added to that. So uh, I hope Las Vegas Thunder Night was everything that you all hoped it would be. 
Uh, it certainly felt like it from where I was, but on top of that, not only was it the the atmosphere and your your input that made it special, but also the input of members of the Las Vegas Thunder, and that includes Jeff Sharples, who uh, I'll say again, we had him on this program last week to help prepare for uh, Las Vegas Thunder Night. Jeff Sharples and his wife Michelle were uh, instrumental in helping us coordinate with those alumni members who were in town and were able to join us uh for the uh, the festivities so thank you to them for not only helping us promote it but helping us to to get the personnel in the building to to make it special not just for them but for you uh we had pokey reddick bob strum on the program darcy loan was in uh attendance and i shouldn't have started naming them because i i won't be able to name them all but uh it was a, a lot of fun and and i think the uh thunder alumni members enjoyed it as well and i'm pretty confident in saying that's something we're going to be doing pretty regularly around here uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that next season in whatever ways, shapes, and forms and maybe uh, expansion it, it arrives in. But really, but a, a, a fun aura around this past weekend in which the Silver Knights played, again, you could say their best 48 hours of hockey, and I don't think anybody would question that. And I think it's, it's even more important to recognize who the Silver Knights did it without. Silver Knights were without Byron Fraze, and they remain without Byron Fraze, who's been called up to the VGK. They were without Gage Quinney on Friday night. He was able to come back for Saturday's game, and he scored a goal in, again, rather dramatic fashion, wearing the jersey, the, the logo, at least, that his father once did. But this is a Silver Knights team that right now is, is fairly, fairly stripped down resources-wise. It's been this way for a little while. This isn't necessarily new, but right now the Silver Knights members who are with the VGK include Daniil Miramanov, who is injured, Pavel Dorofiev, who is injured, Caden Korzak is up, Jonas Romburg is up, Byron Fraze is up. So that's a lot of important artillery for the Silver Knights that is up with the VGK. Uh, in response to that, the Silver Knights have recalled Patrick Gay. He is expected to be in the lineup for the Silver Knights tonight. Uh, and just as important for the Silver Knights when we talk about reinforcements, we don't know and we won't know until warm-ups, but there is a feeling, there is a, a look from morning skate this morning. Uh, Zachary Maninen and Leighton Ahak may both uh, be just about ready to return. So again, we're, we'll wait and see what the uh, warm-ups looks like later on tonight. But they were inching closer and closer. They were regular participants in practice. And uh, it sounded like tonight might be a possibility for both. And what a huge uh, boost that would be to this lineup to get those guys back, not only because of who's called up, but because of the workload these two have. Zachary Mannon was a top-line player before he went out due to injury. That was back on December 7th, so it's been over uh, over a month, almost a month and a half, and Zachary Mannon has been out of the equation for the HSK. Uh, and for Leighton Ahak, who is a top-four defenseman, he's a lot of minutes for Manny Viveros. He's not played since December the 28th. So if both are able to go tonight, that is going to be uh, a significant boost for this Silver Knights lineup. But if you look at what they did against Calgary, uh, and this is a Calgary Wranglers team that came in number one in the AHL in goals per game. They came in number one in the AHL in goals against per game with the unquestioned leader in the clubhouse for goaltender of the year in Dustin Wolf, who say they saw just the one game on Saturday. And if you look at the last two years, Dustin Wolf was goaltender of the year last year, and he was uh, similar video game type numbers, but he had trouble with the Silver Knights and uh, couldn't come up with a win against the HSK on Saturday either. But this is a, uh, a Calgary team that was rolling. They had won eight of their last nine coming in. 
and I believe 10 of their last 11, if my memory serves me correctly. Meanwhile, the Silver Knights had one win in their prior nine games. They were reeling a little bit, and it was very interesting. If you look back to last Wednesday, this, this you know, a week ago today, when the Silver Knights had a, a, just a, a really rough night against the Ontario Reign. They trailed 2-0 five minutes into the first period. They were chasing the game. They made it interesting in the third period, but Manny Viveros just not pleased, was just not happy with his team's preparation level and the fact that they weren't ready to start on time. And he even said, maybe I have to meet with these guys individually one-on-one. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing only slightly. You know, I, I got to find a way to get these guys ready to go because we weren't ready to go tonight. And Gage Quinney followed that up shortly after when he came into the room for, the po- for post-game interviews, and he said, if we're not ready, if we don't have our act together, we're going to get run out of our own building this weekend playing Calgary. And that was, I think, talking to Gage Quinney since. He said, I think that was part of our, our response this weekend. We knew we had to be good. And not just good for good sake. Sometimes we, we say good like, okay, that requires, uh, you know, that, that's a question of talent. That's a question of, of skill. Every team in the AHL is going to have those things, obviously. But what he meant by good is, We've got to be detail-oriented. We have to be bought in systematically to to do the right things to limit what they can do offensively, or they're going to run all over us. And the Silver Knights were so sharp over the weekend, and uh, for the Silver Knights also, it was uh, encouraging that they were able to do it in, in the difficult circumstances, yes, without Byron Fraze, without Gage Quinney on one of those nights as well, but also without head coach Manny Viveros, who had to step away from the team for the weekend to deal with an illness in the family. He is back. Manny Viveros will be on the bench uh, tonight, so that is uh, certainly good news for the HSK. Um, but there was a, a lot uh, stacked against the HSK last week that you would have maybe just not understood it, but but recognized it as, as human nature. Like, okay, you know what? This was just a weekend where there was just too much working in the wrong direction against one of the best teams, if not the best team at the time in the Western Conference in terms of how they were playing, how they were surging. You know, if they're not going to have an answer this weekend, you know, that, that might just be something we just have to prepare ourselves for as viewers. Not the situation at all. The Silver Knights were so disciplined, and especially in the neutral zone. Those two games were one in the neutral zone, and you could see it from the from the get-go on Friday when Calgary, I don't have a, a stat in front of me, I'm just going to surmise, they had to have had seven icings in the first period. They could not connect the dots through the neutral zone. Their breakout wasn't what they wanted, and players like Matthew Phillips, who can create so much with their speed, Connor Zeri, where if they get into the zone and work to the outside, once they get below you, eventually they're going to hurt you. Silver Knights never let that happen. They stood up at their own blue line. They were physical. They were uh, the, the two hip checks that we saw from Braden Pahal on Saturday against uh, Adam Klapko was one. Uh, it uh, momentarily escapes me who the other way, but two two players who were six foot seven might have been uh, redeems a horn of the other, but two monsters that uh, Braden Pahal got low on with booming hip checks along the wall. That was, I think, indicative or, or a, a, a strong summation of what the Silver Knights did so well this weekend, which is if you want to cross that line, you're going to have to go through somebody. And that physicality, it completely disrupted what Calgary wanted to do in terms of their 200-foot game. It completely disrupted what they like to do, entering the zone wide, working from below the dots, and, and flooding the front. Their speed game was completely neutralized. And, you know, when you, when you talk to the, the players after the fact and you say, okay, well, what did you do well? It's like, well, we just kind of bought in and did something systematically. And that's where you say, you know, to play well, they didn't have to go coast to coast. 
They didn't have to undress anybody. They didn't have to have a, a Harlem Globetrotter outing for the ages to, to find an answer for Dustin Wolf. They needed to be structurally sound. They needed to be patient. And they needed to wait for their opportunities and capitalize when they got them. And the longer you're able to hold, the longer you're able to stay within yourself and not chase the game. And that's why it's so important to, for the Silver Knights to avoid what happened last week against Ontario. When, you're falling, when you fall behind 2-0 in the first five minutes, well, you're not going to be able to be, be patient. You're going to have to try to make some, make some moves early, and, and that's why we call it chasing the game. You're immediately getting outside what you wanted to do going in. You have to be somebody else to try to get back to even again, just to, to try to get near what you wanted your game plan to be from the outset. Silver Knights, when they were able to be patient, even falling behind against Calgary, they fell behind one nothing and 2-1, but again, within puncher's, puncher's range. And when we talked to Jamie Heward on the television broadcast Saturday after the first period, he said, you know what, we were a little loose in the first period. We got away from ourselves a little bit. Good moments for sure, but we weren't as tight as we were last night. Not a problem. We're down by one. Let's just correct that. And the Silver Knights corrected that, and the second and third period were carbon copies of what we saw on Friday night. And when you talk to players after the fact, the beauty of that is it is replicable. It can be done again and again against any high-flying opposition. Silver Knights are playing a Tucson team tonight that's lost eight of their last ten. They're in a little bit of a slide uh, and again, they've got talent, and some of their more talented players like Laurent Dauphin, uh, like uh, Jean-Sebastien D, guys who they rely on to score. They're not scoring right now. So for Tucson, they're looking for guys to snap out of it a little bit. But Michael Carconi is dangerous. Michael Carconi is productive. And Michael Carconi, to the best of my knowledge, is expected to play tonight. If the Silver Knights can have that same physicality through the neutral zone, that bump and chase, you know, make them play move the chains hockey. If you can do that, you're going to wear them down, you're going to spread them out, and you're going to have opportunities for quick counterattacks, which is why we saw so many odd man rushes in Henderson's favor this past weekend. Uh, really, really effective. It is systematic. It is what they've tried to go to, and that's why you hear for Manny Viveros, the X's and O's, for long stretches this year, they've been good, and when they've been bad, they've been bad. But the two losses in Abbotsford, they played the right way, and just they didn't get the bounce late in, in the hockey games in either of those contests in Abbotsford. Ontario, they got away from themselves. If the Silver Knights can capitalize on their opportunities, if they're opportunistic, and if they're structurally sound defensively, they're going to be in hockey games. And that allows them to chip away and climb and slowly move themselves back up the, uh, the Pacific Division mountain that they've been trying to climb since the midpoint of November and the, the difficult start to the season that they had. But the Silver Knights became just the second team this season, just the second team in, I think, 18 examples to trail the Wranglers after one period and win in regulation. Only the second time it's happened all year. I think Calgary was uh, – it's in front of me. Here, give me, give me a second. I can, I can find it. I promise you I can find it. That Calgary this year is when leading after 20 minutes, they are now 15-2-1. One of those two is the HSK this past weekend. So I think for the Silver Knights, I hope they discovered something, which is what they kind of discovered in the midpoint of December. If you're going to get great goaltending like they've been getting from Laurent Brassois and from Yuri Patera, and you're going to have players like Gage Quinney, like Sheldon Rempel scoring just enough, you can't rely on that, allow yourself to play in pitcher's duels. That's okay. Play in pitcher's duels. Wait for the broken bat single in the eighth inning to be the difference. You're not going to win every game that way, but you're going to win plenty to continue your climb up the Pacific Division standings. And don't look now 
But a Silver Knights team that was on the uh, the outside looking in is now three points back of San Jose with equal numbers of games played. They're three points back of Tucson with Tucson having three games in hand. Still plenty of work for the Silver Knights to do, and no matter how good this past weekend against Calgary was, Henderson did win one of nine prior to that. So you you got to find some consistency without question. But the beauty of what they did this weekend against Calgary was if you need to find consistency, what they did Friday and Saturday, they can do every night. That doesn't require the performance of an individual that five years from now we're talking about, boy, do you remember that night that Brendan Brisson had in January of 2023? That's not what they need to compete with the Calgarys and the Coachellas, which is why they have, despite not getting points against Coachella, they've had, again, a, a dream weekend against the Calgary Wranglers. They can replicate what they did this past weekend. It's doing it against the teams that play looser hockey and, frankly, a little bit more mistake-prone hockey, like San Diego, like San Jose, like Bakersfield. Play last night's style against those teams, and you're going to be able to find points and do so in a hurry, and that's something the Silver Knights need to put to the test tonight against the Tucson Roadrunners. We'll step out, but when we come back, we'll broaden our gaze as we take a look at the AHL as a whole from coast to coast with AHL insider Patrick Williams. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game. You're listening to the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is HSK Today. Back at the Dollar Loan Center, Brian McCormick here with you. This is HSK Today. Silver Knights and Tucson Roadrunners squaring off for the fifth time this season tonight. Their first meeting in two months. And the Silver Knights coming off their, uh, you could argue, their best weekend of the season. And to help us break that down, as well as the entire AHL picture, we're joined by AHL Insider, Mr. Patrick Williams, friend of the program. And, Patrick, thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always, I mean, I kind of want to talk to you every week, Patrick. I don't want to abuse it, so I try to space them out. But I thought, you know what, it's the midway point of the season. Silver Knights just passed it. Most teams either approaching or just behind it. So this is a good time to to, to see if we are in the season uh, where we thought we'd be uh, back in October. And, And to start things off, Patrick, you know, the Silver Knights are coming off back to back wins against the Calgary Wranglers where they really shut the Wranglers down. And it was a Wranglers team that was at pretty pretty full strength. They didn't have Jacob Pelletier, but other than that, they, they had their weapons. And the Silver Knights grinded them to a halt. And it's so interesting that the Silver Knights, they look that way when they play the Coachella Valley Firebirds and they play the Calgary Wranglers. They look like a team that would be right up there in that in that stretch of the Pacific Division standings. They look completely different against San Diego, San Jose, and, and the like. You said to me a couple of months ago, you're like, boy, this team's hard to figure out. I wonder if you've figured it out yet. <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, I guess my working theory would be that uh, if you're not ready to go right against Calgary or, or Coachella Valley, for example, I mean, they'll blow you right off the ice. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I do think that there's uh, that sense of urgency that um, definitely is heightened for, for any team facing those, those elite clubs. It's, we saw that even with, with uh, the way they went into Colorado last month. It took a pair of uh, one-goal wins back-to-back uh, nights uh, against a really good team there. That's when Colorado was uh, really kind of uh, on a good pace themselves. So yeah. um, this is the this is the time now, right? Like, it, if you can build some momentum here, right, and, and put together some wins here, I mean, this is a 
this is another week, right, where, you know, you look at the schedule, right, you have Tucson, that's certainly a winnable game, and then you go back to Colorado again. Um, but the time now is to start stringing these wins together. You have that big homestand coming uh, uh, at the end of the month, so that's, that's another opportunity. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, probably I, I think the highlight of the season so far for Henderson to, to sweep that series with Calgary, uh, for my money, really one of the top two or three teams in the entire league, almost start to finish. And to your point, Patrick, this is a stretch for the Silver Knights. Counting tonight, they still have its seven of their next nine at home, but if we back up, it will be by the end of that stretch, 10 of 12 at home. What goes up mm-hmm. must come down. There's a lot of road hockey after that. So if you're the Silver Knights, this is the time to make a move in a division that honestly, we always talk how tough the Pacific is, but the way things have gone this year, Coachella and Calgary right now seem to be in their own category. Abbotsford and Colorado maybe a second tier right behind them. Mm-hmm. But after that, from Ontario on down, it's it's pretty much wide open with a bunch of teams that are, are dealing with ebbs and flows from week to week. Yeah, even Ontario, you know, they they got off to that great start. They were top of the division, and then they've they've had a lot of call up issues uh, at different points. Uh, you know, they lost to Kill Thomas early in the season. Uh, and they've seemingly gotten back on track. They've won five in a row lately, but um, everyone else really after that top five or so, I think it's uh, you know certainly a uh, you know for all the problems the Henderson Silver Knights had early in the season. Uh, they're right in the mix, right? I mean, Tucson is, is certainly catchable. I mean, they've had their ups and downs. They, they just had a 70 losing streak themselves. Yeah. San Jose's uh, been all over the place this year. Uh, Bakersfield certainly had their struggles. And, you know, San Diego's, you know, just been really good, right? Almost from the, the, the get go, uh, a team that's really had a hard time. So, um, for all the problems, you know, that, that, that early stretch really had, uh, the Silver Knights have at least been able to somewhat dig themselves out of it, and also, you know, been the beneficiary of uh, being in a really top-heavy division. So, if you can start to, you know, if you take tonight's win, you know, if you win tonight, you, you're one one point back of Tucson, right? And then you have a good weekend, and you can build from there. So, um, there's plenty of opportunity right now. I, I'm sure that's exactly what uh, you know the coaching staff there, you know, at Dollar Loan Center will be preaching tonight. That just, you know, this is a chance to really. Put a run together. I think, you know, you don't want to have a situation where you have a great weekend and then you have a letdown. That, that's the thing I think you really have to guard against. And we're talking with Patrick Williams, AHL insider, and you're right, it's just been so schizophrenic, the Pacific Division this season. San Jose, a great example. Some nights they look like they're going to beat you 7-0. Other nights they can't get out of their own way, and it's pretty much with a, a similar personnel package. So uh, still some meetings between the Silver Knights and the San Jose Barracuda on the horizon. I, I wonder, Patrick, when you look at the Silver Knights lineup, one name that absolutely jumps off the page is Gage Quinney, who's been their best goal scorer. And over the last three weeks, you could say he's probably been among the best goal scorers in the American Hockey League. It's so, you know, uh, I think refreshing for Silver Knights fans. Not only that they're getting production out of Gage Quinney, but also this is the first year where we've seen him at 100% full-strength health for weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, this year he's on AHL deal, almost kind of a, okay, get healthy and, and show what you got. And, and this year he definitely is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said, the last, uh, you know, even kind of going back to his time with uh, Chicago, um, you know, where, you know, that was the Vegas former affiliate. Uh, he, he had a hard time staying healthy, right? And, yeah. You know, but he, when he is in the lap. I mean, he's, you know, he's probably a 30-goal a guy at this point in his career at this level. So, um, you know, really almost, uh, you know, he hasn't had – 
too many dips in his game, really. Like, you know, he had that, that slow start, but, I mean, that was pretty much across the board for the entire team in terms, you know, for production. But uh, ever really, you know, since maybe, I don't know, 10, 10 or so games into the year, um, he's just been a real steady presence you can count on, you know, and, and someone who can produce, right, which is what they need. Um, they are a team that um, at times definitely has to work for goals and manufacture goals. It, it doesn't necessarily come easy. They're not a calorie, for example. Um, so just having somebody there that really, you know, does have that touch, um, I think is a, is a huge advantage for him, especially the fact he's on an AHL deal now. That sort of insulates uh, the Silver Knights from cost situations. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's another benefit as well. And of course, Silver Knights have been impacted by call-ups plenty over the last couple of weeks, and they're not the only team. Uh, before we leave the division, I'm, I'm curious, Patrick, you know, the Coachella Valley Firebirds right now, they're 10-0-1 in their last 11, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're rolling better yeah. than any team in the league right now. When the Silver Knights have seen them, it's been razor-thin margin each and every time, which, again, is, is the same argument as what we saw with Calgary this past weekend, the, the way mm-hmm. that that matches up and the attitude they probably take into those games. But uh, I'm curious what the rest of the league must be seeing on a night-to-night basis that they're right now, uh, you know, it's still th- them in Calgary neck and neck, but, I mean, if Coachella keeps going like this, they could run away with the Pacific. Yeah, I mean, you look at their schedule too, right? You know, like they played 18 of 22 on the road. Well, you know, well, right. you know that's a top, top-heavy top schedule, right? And You know, I was a little bit, you know, uncertain, like how would they handle things coming home? Right, you know, we've seen teams where they, they go on those long home stands and they maybe get a little bit flat. Um, hasn't happened for Coachella Valley. Uh, you know, uh, despite uh, all the great weather there and the golf and everything else that's you know might uh, you know distract you know young players, uh, they they've been right on point. Uh, you know, so they they, they, get, they put put themselves in a great uh, situation. They came through that 16 game road trip. Um, well intact record wise, ever since they come home, they just you know really beasted. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the team. You know, they look good on paper coming into the year. Uh, they had a great off season in terms of uh, you know bringing some real high quality veterans in, but also you know getting a little bit of a break in the sense that Seattle's been solid themselves, so uh, they haven't had to deal with calls much. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that top two, that Calgary and Coachella, uh, one-two punch. Uh, whoever comes out of that that division will have earned it. That's for sure. <laughs> We're with Patrick Williams, AHL insider. Let's bounce around a little bit if we can. You know, one team I've thought is is interesting so far this first half of the season is Texas. Texas last year. Uh, 500 team. They had a little run at the mm-hmm. end of the year to get there, but they were a, a, kind of a, a middling, trying to find themselves group for a lot of the season. Uh, I know Neil Graham really well from our time in Idaho yeah. together. I know what he's capable of, but they've just had a phenomenal season so far. And when you look at their, their stats, their leading scores, it looks like it's largely being driven by players that were over the last couple of years. It's it's not your top line guys. It's not the rising first round picks. It's the the meat and potatoes guys and, and some of the veterans like Curtis McKenzie that seem to be driving things. Yeah, real top to bottom, maybe maybe the some of the best depth overall in the entire American League. Um, you look up and down their lineup, there's there's not those gaps that, you know, you generally see with other clubs, even some of the better teams. Uh, you know, I, I actually spoke uh, with Neil for about uh, probably a good 30 minutes yesterday, you know, and just we went kind of like up and down the roster and, you know, just his entire team and 
Now, one of the points he made was that uh, they had that really slow start last season, right, which left them in a, in a, a real bind. Yeah. And for the entire second half last year, they, uh, they pretty much had to play, you know, playoff type hockey, uh, you know, from you know the halfway point on. So that's a good three three months of that. Uh, and so I, he, he thought that that really sharpened them. Um, and you know, they, they they didn't go very far in the playoffs, but uh, just having that experience playing all those meaningful games down the stretch, uh, you know, the players that did return this year. Um, two things. One, they had gotten that experience. Number two, they also had learned from that experience that, hey, we got to get off to a good start. We can't, you know, put ourselves, you know, in a hole like that early on. So, um, you know, they, they, they've just been excellent this year. They, they had that great come from behind win this past weekend. And good for the real solid Milwaukee as well. Um, uh, so they've really shown that, uh, you know, that it's a very well-structured team. Uh, uh, certainly there's some real offensive ability there, but I think more importantly, it's just how well they defend. You know, and you look at a young prospect like Thomas Hartley, and, um, you know, the big priority for him, you know, was, was to really work on that, you know, play away from the puck and uh, we allow that to, to, to drive a lot of uh, your play with the puck. And uh, so it's sort of that entire philosophy is really, you know, goes across the entire team and, you know, they're number one at the PK and, um, it's just not a whole, whole lot of weaknesses if you're if you're facing that team. Um, and, you know, I certainly see them as a team that's a real threat, obviously, to come out of the Central Division this year. As you look out east with Patrick Williams, and, uh, again, it, it's always great to get your perspective on the Eastern Conference because our fan base gets to, to see uh, – well, they only get to see them if they tune into AHL TV. But th- there's some heavyweights out there, Hershey, Providence – I'm interested in Toronto because right now it's uh, I think they've won nine of their last ten. They mm-hmm. look they, they're the best road team in the East, you could argue, and a Maple Leafs team that's been pretty healthy thus far and hasn't been siphoning too much off from them. I wonder if they're a team that at this midway point is maybe starting to position themselves that they could be the beast towards the uh, the uh, midpoint of April. Yeah, it's looking that way. Um, this is a good test for them right now. They're on their annual um, never-ending eight-game road trip. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, they have back-to-back games in Belleville this week. Um, so that's a good test. Those are, you know, top rivalry type, uh, games. So, um, they'll, they'll get tested there again. Um, I think it'll be good for them to get away on the road. Uh, they'll go out to Abbotsford, for example, later on, you know, and see, see a really good, you know, Canucks team. Um, uh, and then, well, again, you know, the schedule can, you know, be your friend or foe. And, uh, when they do come home, they'll, They'll have some real good opportunity to, to make up some of that time uh, on the home schedule. So, um, real good um, team, you know, defensively. Um, right off the bat, uh, you know, they have Joseph Wall in that. Uh, you know, he had that 56 uh, state game a couple weeks back against Laval. And, uh, yeah, they're a team that uh, the Marlies are back. They, they were that, that, you know, kind of that juggernaut uh, for the better, you know, part of the, you know, the – late 2010s and, you know, sent so many players on to the NHL. And a little bit different now, but uh, they're definitely a, a club that I think uh, will be um, one to reckon with. And that entire North Division is kind of, uh, it's a it's a real difficult division to figure out. Just, you know, there are teams that go on these streets, you know, five, six wins in a row, and they drop five or six. And um, so nobody in really, other than perhaps Utica, has really been able to uh, put together real, um, you know, sustained challenge to the Marley. So I think 
Uh, the big challenge for them will be to stay, stay sharp, you know, if they do start to pull away in that division, um, to not sort of, uh, you know, let some bad habits creep in down the stretch. Can you talk about the uh, the juggernaut Marlies, that 2018 Calder Cup final Marlies and Stars? You, you can still go back and watch yeah. that and get a good, uh, on a rainy afternoon and get good entertainment. We're, uh, we're with what? Patrick Williams. Go ahead, Patrick. One of the best uh, Calder Cup finals I ever saw. I went to seven games. I mean, that Texas team, I mean, you're familiar for, with them, uh, you know, from your time, uh, you know, both with Idaho and San Antonio. That's, um, they were just such a well-coached team. And, you know, the, no surprise that so many of those players went out to the NHL. Patrick, you made mention Toronto's got their road trip coming up. When I was in San Antonio, we had the rodeo road trip. It was uh, infamous because sometimes the rampage were bad and that just – hammered the last yeah. nail to the coffin early sometimes it was looking good and by the end of february it wasn't anymore when you yeah. talk about and again we said the silver knights at the end of february into march they're gonna have a significant road trip of their own that's not just a narrative builder that is a real hurdle that teams can can survive and navigate for sure but they got to be not just mentally ready for it they probably have to prepare themselves with some good play before then to give themselves a little bit of cushion Absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, it's not a narrative in this league. Uh, you know, the, you have a lot of young players, you know, in cases, especially think of the guys that come out of college. They're not used to, you know, 8, 10, 12, eight road trips like that, right? Um, so it, it's a challenge just even, you know, getting proper practice time, getting proper nutrition, all those all those things that become a little bit more difficult on, on the road uh, become magnified. And so uh, especially, you know, this stretch of the season, you're still right about, you know, the rampage. I mean, it was almost became a running joke every year. Like, <laughs> well, you know, this is going to be it for them. You know, no matter the where they over. were. <laughs> yeah, right? And then, you know, they would limp home, you know, at the end of February, like clockwork. Um, you know, it was it always came at the worst possible time, right? Like at least that it was either Final Nail or, or where's the momentum killer. It's, uh, so, yeah, the, the Silver Knights, and really any club going through that, uh, I mean, take a page from Coachella Valley, though. They really, I mean, they went through the mother of all road trips to right. 16 games, and um, they just, they, they took it slowly, you know, like bite by bite, right? And they were able to um, eventually, you know, make it a little bit more manageable, and uh, as a result, they came through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I did even better than they expected. You're right. They, they certainly, they've taken that excuse off the table for this season. No one can cry mm -hmm. uh, road trip this season. Patrick, but before we let you, you go, uh, we are a couple of weeks away from it. Uh, the AHL All-Star Classic is back. It's been a couple of years since we've been able to enjoy an All-Star weekend for the AHL. It'll be in Laval. Uh, what it means to the league to have this event up and running again and, and what you're looking forward to from it. Yeah, well, third time's uh, the charm for Laval, right? <laughs> pa like, patient you know, people. <laughs> yeah, the Previous two years was uh, it was postponed or eventually canceled, and um, it's a great event. I you know I recommend anybody that has an opportunity to either go this year or down the road. You know next year will be in San Jose. Um, you know three years ago was in Ontario. That was a great opportunity to have it on the West Coast. It's just a fun event. You know even the coaches are laid back. Uh, you know nobody's uh, nobody's too stressed there. You know and it is very fan friendly. I mean during the uh, the skills competition night, right? Like they take the glass down. Players pretty much spend the entire night signing autographs, uh, taking photos. Uh, the fans are right up there, you know. So it's a great opportunity. I mean, and you look at the players that have come through the All Star game uh, through the years. You know, everyone Patrice Bergeron, Dano Chara, you know, pretty much you name it. Um, you know, goalie wise, especially, uh, they've all come through. And uh, it's just a great event. I think 
especially this year having it in Laval, uh, you'll be you know basically for 20 minutes outside of downtown Montreal. So um, they're you know great support there. It's uh, one of the best buildings in the league, I think. Um, it'll be a real good event for sure. And I'm not sure the full list of all-star participants just yet, if there's a chance Martin Furk is going or not, but if he is, that's that's a chance to see a record broken every time he goes out for the skills competition. But I'm not, off, offhand, I'm not sure if we're going to see him there in Laval. Uh, yeah, well, the, those rosters are highly subject to change, too. Exactly, right. And, uh, you know, injuries and just, you know, NHL, you know. <laughs> Right now, the silver the silver knights representative is is an injured Daniil Miramanov. So we'll we'll see uh, as we get closer to the All Star uh, event what that looks like as well. But uh, I'm glad it's a laid back atmosphere, Patrick, because I'm sure that's where you're going to get some of your best quotes for the next couple of weeks. Uh, And we always look forward to to what you're working on. Which, uh, by the way, is there anything uh, coming down the pike you'd like to promote? Yeah, we're doing a a big All Star uh, package uh, going in. uh, You know, be in a couple weeks. So you know, like Dave Andrews is you know longtime president of the league is going in uh, Hall of Fame. uh, You know, several other players. You know, so it's kind of like this 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 traffic jam of uh, players and uh, (laughs) Hall of Fame selections uh, that have backed up the last couple of years. So uh, that would be something fun to do. You know, like you know, it's a good chance for guys to look back on their career. And you know, it's. You know, people might might shrug, but you know, you're you're being inducted in the Hall of Fame for the second best league in the world, and you know that's certainly no small honor. Well, we'll be tuned in. We'll be looking forward to it. Patrick Williams, AHL Insider. You can find his work on theahl.com, and always follow him on Twitter at pwilliamsahl. Patrick, thanks for hopping on. We uh, greatly appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to seeing what you do from All Star Weekend. Absolutely, always a pleasure. Thank you. That is Patrick Williams. He is the best and, uh, again, the, the number one source for all things AHL news. We'll hop out. When we come back, we'll wrap things up as we get our final prep notes in for Silver Knights and Roadrunners later on this evening. Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more... HSK Today. Back on HSK today, Brian McCormick here with you as we put a wrap on another week, another edition, and uh, a great discussion with Patrick Williams, AHL insider for theahl.com, and he's been covering the AHL for years, a very long time. He's done work for Elite Prospects, NHL.com. You'll find his work everywhere, but uh, always great to catch up with him and uh, gain some perspective. And I think, again, really interesting how he – confirmed in, in his view and, and he watches even more AHL hockey than I do from a wider lens of seeing what other teams are up to but this is a, a playoff picture that you know I, it's part of the design too you know there are a lot of teams get in from every division for the Pacific seven teams are going to get in and uh, you know that that allows for more playoff teams more young players getting playoff experience for the sake of their development uh, gets more markets involved and what have you, but it also creates more races. And we're still, uh, you know, probably about, oh, maybe six weeks. Maybe, maybe that's a fair number. You get into that early March window where you can start really tabulating uh, what the races look like and a little beyond that into magic numbers and what have you. It's still a little early to be jockeying because any team is a five-game winning streak or a five-game losing streak away from blowing up any prognostications we're going to make this afternoon. But... Just the way things have been trending, there's the the Firebirds, the Wranglers, and the Canucks in the Pacific, who have kind of uh, I, you know you put the you put the Eagles in there as well, but the Eagles uh, 
they've won four of their last ten. They've been very impacted by avalanche injuries. I just, I myself have a little bit of a hard time putting them in that same category. Maybe unfair, maybe wrong. I might just be flat out wrong, but just a gut feeling watching them versus watching Abbotsford, Calgary, and the Firebirds. I'd I'd put a little bit of a, a space between those three teams. Colorado and Ontario fit into the next tier, and if the Ontario rank can figure themselves out, they're a team that could have a very different second half than the first. But then after that, it gets very wild and wide open. Tucson, San Jose, Bakersfield, San Diego have all had ebbs and flows, and some of the ebbs have been long. Some of the flows have been longer, and we've seen San Jose lose eight in a row. Tucson right now has lost uh, eight of their last ten. Bakersfield has struggled surprisingly all season long, uncharacteristically for them. San Diego has had success pretty much against the Silver Knights and nobody else this season, uh, though they are playing 500 hockey over their last 10. So there is going to be a race in the Pacific to get into those final playoff spots. Silver Knights are well positioned for it if they can continue to do what we saw them do this weekend, which is play defensive, disciplined, structural hockey and uh, you know, wait, wait for a team to overextend themselves and then counterpunch. Uh, and right now getting tremendous offensive contributions from Gage Quinney. Gage Quinney has six goals in his last seven games, and he has goals, I believe, in five of those seven games. It's pretty much uh, on a nightly basis that Gage Quinney is putting up offense. Sheldon Rempel, after a little bit of a quiet stretch in the early uh, week, uh, the, the, the late December, early January, a little quiet at least for the for the pace that he set at the start of the year. He's picking it up again. He has a three-game point streak, five games during that stretch. Uh, Gage Quinney and and Sheldon Rempel, their work really did set the pace for the Silver Knights over the course of the weekend. And then Lucas Cormier, who is starting to uh, blossom as a young offensive defenseman, all the talent. Uh, It was a matter of learning the pro game, learning uh, when to pick his spots offensively, and he's still learning, but very I would say quietly for for a player who is the Quebec Major Junior League's defenseman of the year each of the last two years and just put up astronomical offensive numbers. He's had a very solid season, uh, and and it always takes defensemen a little longer to adjust to the pro game than it does for forwards. Uh, but Lucas Cormier quietly uh, has 20 points in 33 games and is the top in the top three rookie scorers among defensemen in the AHL. That is very very quietly. Uh, and consistently a really impressive feat uh, as, uh, you know, you, you expect him to be better in the second half than he was in the first. And he's done a nice job as well for, again, the responsibilities to be handled by a young player. Uh, again, you want to ease them in. You don't want to have them bite off more than they can chew right out of the gate. Well, Lucas Cormier has basically been tasked with replacing Daniil Miramanov since the end of November. And that's where that offensive role has expanded, that opportunity has expanded, and he's done smart things from the blue line, uh, being the, the quarterback of the power play, getting pucks through, uh, and making a, a Silver Knights offense that depends a lot on net front presence uh, viable in the last couple of weeks. So Lucas Cormier has six assists in his last eight games. He'll be a player to watch tonight as well. On the Tucson side, as we mentioned, Michael Carconi has been rolling. He leads the AHL in scoring, has had some nice NHL time with the Coyotes as well. Adam Cracknell is the ageless wonder, and he's, uh, again, looking like a player who can keep playing for a couple more years if he wants to. A four-game point streak coming into tonight for Cracknell, seven points during that stretch. Uh, And for Adam Cracknell, uh, overall, his stats for the season, I'll pull them quickly. Uh, Again, very impressive for a a player who was 
drafted in 2004. That's how old Adam Cracknell is, born in 1985. He has 26 points in 29 games. Uh, he's, he's got a chance. He's, he's played 656 AHL games, a lot of NHL games on top of that. Uh, he can play a few more years if he wants to, and the Silver Knights will have an eye on him this evening. This is a Tucson team that has struggled early in hockey games and has struggled on the power play. They are one for their last 37. Silver Knights penalty kill, one of the best in the league, number two overall. That'll be an area they'll look to take advantage as well. That'll do it for this afternoon's edition of HSK Today. Silver Knights and Tucson Roadrunners go head-to-head at 7 p.m. tonight. Pre-game coverage starting at 6.30 with Justin Russo here on 12.30 of the game. Special thanks to Patrick Williams, AHL insider for theAHL.com. Follow his work in the All-Star weeks to come. I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks for joining us on HSK Today. We'll see you tonight for Silver Knights Hockey on 1230 of the game, the Silver Knights Radio Network.